The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Nair is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand on air. Kayaku nui, kayaku rahi, kayaku fakatamarahi kite rangi te na kauta katoa. No mai kite hotaka one. If I yake nei, kapiri mai atewehi right kite korero mo te kura kaupapa Maori me te homatua. Kia ora everyone, te kuru here. In this episode, we'll be joined by Tewehi Wright, graduate and advocate for kura kaupapa Maori, as we discuss the ongoing pakanga with the Crown. Kia mautonu mai. In 1867, the Native Schools Act ensured that English was the only language taught in the education of Tamariki Māori. This was part of the annexation of Aotearoa by the Crown and is one example of the many injustices inflicted upon Māori which saw our land and language forcibly removed from us. The education system, as one of the institutions of the state, was not built to provide Māori with equity. Its founding purpose was to do the opposite. But Māori have resisted Despite over 200 years of attempted annexation and in the face of annihilation, Māori have endured. Kaupapa Māori education has been at the core of that resistance and traditional Kaupapa Māori education movements like Te Kohanga Reo, Kura Kaupapa Māori, Kura Aiwi and Wānanga Māori were developed by Māori as Māori solutions for Māori futures. There have been many wins in the ongoing battle with the Crown. Te Kurakaupapa Māori or Hwani Waititi was the first Kurakaupapa Māori established in 1985. Since then, over 60 Kurakaupapa Māori have been established around the country. However, the education system and successive governments have made decisions that have negatively impacted both Kaupapa Māori education and te reo. The consequences of those decisions are still impacting whānau today. In 2013, there was an attempt by government to introduce national standards, and although this was scrapped by Labour, it's an example of how rangatiratanga over te matua, the curriculum, uh, and the way Kurakaupapa Māori operate is still open to being attacked. Kurakaupapa Māori have proven to be more effective for breeding Māori excellence, but inequity remains in funding, infrastructure, workforce, resources, and late last year, Te Runanganui o Ngā Kurakaupapa Māori lodged an urgent claim with the Waitangi Tribunal. It comes off the back of a 2019 report, Our Schooling Futures, commissioned by Minister for Education Chris Hipkins, that recommended an autonomous governance body is formed to support Kaupapa Māori, which includes the educational organisations currently recognised as Kaupapa Māori. Kura Kaupapa Māori and other Kaupapa Māori education providers want autonomous governance. 
This is one of the main points of the claim by Te Runanganui. However, Associate Minister of Education Calvin Davis has ruled out the option of an independent authority and is conducting a review process with an independent group called Te Paeroa that will inform the introduction of new legislation next year, which he says will restructure and reshape Māori medium education. Minister Davis has said there would be a parallel pathway for Kura Kaupapa Māori and other Kaupapa Māori education providers in this strategy, but Kura aren't down with it. Te Matakahuki, which is a group made up of Kura Kaupapa Māori, Kohanga Reo, Puna Reo and Wānanga Māori, have not engaged in the review process. They don't agree to being lumped in with Māori medium education providers like Rumaki in mainstream because they are fundamentally different and are not part of the mainstream education system. Te Paerua has this month released findings from its first review uh, in which it recommends that Minister Davis, as an agent of the Crown, present an apology to Kaupapa Māori education providers for failing to provide adequate support over the last 35 years plus. There are recommendations to make new legislation which will reshape policy that Kaupapa Māori education providers currently feel constrained by and to facilitate better pathways for whānau Māori to engage in Kaupapa Māori education. But the crux of the issue remains, and that is a battle for control where Kura Kaupapa Māori want tinoranga tiratanga over te matua and the way they do things, whereas the Crown has its own plan. And so today we'll be talking about Te Matua with our Manuhiri Tuihirai up next. No mai hoki mai, I'm joined by my co-host Mediana Johnson and Leonie Hayden. Tēnā kōrua. Tēnā koe hoa. Tēnā koe. And we welcome to the panel Tuihirai of Ngārua Hine Ngāti Rangitihi Ngāti Kahungunu ki te wairua Ngāti Wenuku Kōpako me Ngāti Whakauwe who is a graduate and strong advocate for the Kura Kaupapa Māori movement. Te wehi, no mai. Tēnā koutou. So, Te wehi, what is Te Matua for you? Yeah, um, start with the easy questions, I guess. <laughs> um, he, he Kaupapa nui bau kei ke roto turu pia i te ingoa, Te Matua. I think um, we're, we're quite fortunate um, that when we, the way that we were raised, uh, there wasn't really a separation in terms of um, uh, te and how it was applied. So Te in itself is a is probably a, a collection of core principles um, that they derive themselves from Te Māori. They're not the only principles of Te Māori, but that's where they they originate. Uh, and so Te um it's an ethos, uh, a way of life. Um, without sounding a bit culty, um, it was just really you know people talk about um, Te Fariki or, or, or the key components or principles that they uh, were lucky enough to to be guided by growing up. And for us, that's what Te Ahomatua was. Um, I guess the exception for us was that it wasn't just at home, but it was something that was also um, supported and grown in, in Kura as well. So, um, yeah, yeah. so that, that, for us, that's what it is, bro. It's an outlook, it's a perspective, um, but it's it's sort of like that Kiteru Pākehā, they call it that, that northern star, uh, that guiding um those guiding principles and core values that have really helped shape us. What makes it different from other value-based uh, educational programs? What makes it different from mainstream? I guess that's what um, non-Māori and Māori who aren't involved in the kaupapa, we're really trying to paint a picture or provide insight into what makes Te Ahomatua, uh so special. Uh, it's easy for me to just say Te Ahomatua is, is what makes it different, right, when you're, we're looking at it from an uh, educational framework point of view. But... Um, the biggest thing that I, uh, as as someone that has been fortunate enough to to be brought up in this particular kaupapa, 
Um, it's it's the the commitment not just by the kura but also by the whānau. Um, I think I, I we, we talk about the analogy of the village raising a child, um, but I think in this instance for us it was the village raising the village. Uh, whereas uh, a lot of our parents te kuru, you know, they were um, if they weren't the reclaimers of their whānau in terms of te reo Māori or, or, or tikanga Māori, they were second generation. So we're still trying to figure out what that means and what that looks like in in a contemporary time. Uh, and so having uh, an an entire community of people that were either have either already figured out what that looks like or people that are all trying to determine or f- determine that for themselves is probably what um, made Te Ahumatua a little bit different, makes it different from, from any other pathway, right? It's not your um, conventional, conventional drop your kids off at nine o'clock, pick them up at three o'clock and they're going to learn their numeracy and their literacy. Um, it's actually about bringing your kura, uh, bringing your, um, when you, even before you send your tama, tamaiti to kura, uh, there's a component where, the kura comes in and talks to you about te ahumatua, about this kaupapa and, and about the commitment that you have. Not, It's not about the commitment to te ahumatua, but it's essentially the commitment to a child, right? Like the, the expectation of developing our children doesn't just fall on, on the kura between the hours of nine to three, but it's actually, you know, there are things that um, that the whānau, uh, the most important parts are actually uh, are the commitments that the whānau gives. So that for me is probably what makes it uh, different is actually it's, it's not... Um, it's not exclusively, so, so Te Ahumatua isn't exclusive to this kopo. Like I said, Te Ahumatua is a collection of tikanga um, or principles that have been put together and put into an educational framework. Uh, but the real difference is actually the inherent belief that um, kute kura hei kāinga, kute kāinga hei kura. Uh, the kura must be like a home and the home must be like a kura. Uh, noting that um, the real fruit of this kopo is when both of those things are working in tandem. Taumatua is recognised as an educational framework now, but I can't imagine that it was easy to have that framework recognised by, say, the Ministry for Education. When when was that framework officially recognised by by education in Aotearoa? Um, it was gazetted uh, in the Education Amendment Act 1999, Kitaku Mohio, uh, or, or 2000. But Te Ahumatua, I mean, it, it's been, it's not like it was just created, right? Like I said, he aho no ngā tupuna. Mm. Uh, but in terms of how, when it was imbued into some sort of educational framework, that was by Katerina, um, Te Hingangaroa Smith, yeah, Linda Smith, some of the, the greatest kaupapa Māori minds in the world um, got together at a hui in Raglan. Um, and I think this is also part of the, the uniqueness of this kaupapa. The real story of the, I guess, the, the origins of Te Ahumatua come from Katerina Mataira. Um, Te Koko was the one that was holding the pen. And it was almost like it was written overnight. And she said that it was written by her, her own tupuna, or one of her own kaitsaki. Uh, and that was, oh, that's a quarter for another one. But this is, yeah, this talks to the spirituality of this particular kaupapa. Mm. And so that made it even harder to try and put something like that as conceptual of the, as, as Te Ahumatua into, uh, some sort of legislative structure or framework. And so what they ended up doing uh, was they put it into the Gazette. So they referenced Te Ahumatua in um, section, originally Section 155A of the Education Amendment Act, and then Te Ahumatua was expanded and explained uh, in the in the Gazette. But to answer your question, um, Leonie, it still hasn't fully been recognised. And right. I think that is really where we've ended up, right? Because although there is a statutory reference to Te Ahumatua and the Education Act, and then there's also ref- reference to Te Runanga Nui as the kaitsaki of Te Ahumatua, and I guess in that instance, the recognised partner. 
of this particular framework, there's still been a huge struggle to have it formally recognised as a um, as a formal curriculum, as a formal framework, um, or as a legitimate pathway for tamariki Māori. Mm. Do you think part of that, Raro, is the fact that it is a values-based education system? Because, you know, mainstream schooling doesn't really teach you values, right? You go, you learn your maths, your English. Um, is that one of the, Raru, but also, you know, one of the benefits of Te Matua and that framework? Yeah, I think it is. I, I, um, I'd struggle to probably put it out to that one thing in particular because uh, there's a whole range of things. But I, I think the, the conflicting worldviews is definitely something that probably influences a lot of the, the narratives around this, this conflict. And it's, it's a philosophy, eh? so Te Matua is a philosophical foundation um, that is very concept-based, uh, values-driven, but it's also the the metrics and the measurement or the outcomes of this particular copa are probably the hardest thing to grapple because it's not about NCA levels one, two, and three. It's not about numeracy and literacy, right? It's just about growing. Uh, and I think Tekuru had mentioned it in his intro about breeding, but it's not. Tahumatsu doesn't breed. Tahumatsu acknowledges that that excellence already exists. It's mm. just a copa to help grow that. Mm. Uh, and then in terms of Maori excellence, it's not about predefining what Māori excellence is, but it's about equipping tamariki with the awareness, with the skill sets, with the belief and the confidence to determine what that looks like for them. What is excellence for me? What is excellence for te wihi? Um, I may have finished kura from a mainstream and an and a orthodox perspective in terms of what my NCA and UE, but I, I might not have wanted to go to university, which is all good because that wasn't the excellence that I was striving for. So that's essentially what this COVID was trying to do is build um, and, and educate a generation of Māori who, who are able to determine their own paths and their own futures. What are some of your most valuable lessons, do you think, as a raukura of kurakaupapa Māori? And what does that even mean to be a raukura of kurakaupapa Māori? It, it, it's hard, bro, because like the, my, the most valuable lessons about that I've probably got from Kurokopapa Māori, I'm only learning as I've left, right? Because it's not until you kind of leave that you, you start really understanding and, and really appreciating the privilege that we had to be raised in that particular uh, kaupapa. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and a little bit whakahihi because whakahihi in the sense that all Māori deserve to feel as cool as I do mm. about being Māori. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? And and I can 100% say that it was because of the upbringing that I had. Yep, going to Kurokopa Māori was part of it, but actually bringing my whānau in on that whole journey as well is probably what made me realise, fuck, this is, this is mean. Mm. Um, and so that's probably what, for me, is one of the biggest, um, I don't know if it's a lesson, but one of the greatest things that I've come to appreciate about our particular upbringing. Um, and then also speaking to the importance of, of whānau. We, we're kind of going through it with my daughter at the moment where, you know, at Kura, not only are we worrying about um, the curriculum, but you know, the Kura also has to worry about how we're getting our tamariki to school. So we're talking about arranging buses, we're talking about arranging vans. And then, you know, just in the last couple of months, we've had vaccination clinics, we've had um, to fight for rats. You know, so the Kura, I think I mentioned it before, but Kura Kaupapa Māori he tauranga atete, or to side of resistance, against the institutions of state, which is essentially one of the you know, the institutions of states that really gave rise to colonisation. And we're still doing that now. Um, so it's not just about kura. It's not just about educating our kids, but it's actually about growing an entire community of Māori who are aware uh, politically, um, emotionally, but at the same time are able to um, to navigate all these different spaces. Mm. 
You can see why the ministry or various other government agencies are scared of this because, as you say, it's a site of resistance. But on the other hand, the the, uh, the results speak for themselves. I have never met a kura kaupapa educated adult that wasn't productive, smart, an amazing advocate for their community and their whānau, you know, confident in who they are in the world. Um, it, it must be like really hard for like the ministry to get their head around that, you know, there is now a generation mm. and a second generation who have have these skills as adults that were not provided to them by a mainstream education. I, I get why they don't know how to marry these worlds together because they don't understand. Yeah. And, and I actually think that's that's the problem. Yeah. The problem is they're trying to marry it. Yeah. But what we're trying to say is no, you don't actually have to. Yeah. We don't we don't want you to try and stress yourself out by trying to figure out how we're gonna make this work. <laughs> yeah. What we're actually wanting is for you to just let us do it. You've already got this. The results speak for themselves. And it's 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 not just about but it's more you know, people ask me, you know, and we, we talk about I mean the buzzword at the moment is co-governance, but we, we, we talk about what are some examples when Māori are able to to lead Māori outcomes, Māori solutions, Māori inputs, Māori outputs. You know, and so Kūrakaupa Māori to me is, and, and, I, and I proudly say this as, as a product of that movement, as of this kaupapa, is an example of that. And we know that if we can empower Māori communities to do the same in other spaces, that's where the magic happens. Mm. I'm a little bit different to, so my parents and, and Tikuru's parents, our whanau, committed themselves um, totally to this kaupapa. And 30 years on, it's still the same group of people, which tells me um, you know, 30 years on, the same issues and same, I guess, institutionalised thinking is, is, is still being one of the biggest barriers. So that's probably where I come in, right, as, a, as the, the next generation down, my siblings and I, Tikuru and them's age, and then hopefully I'll t- we can just keep, pushing that and keep pushing that and keep advocating for that. It's not even advocating for the movement. My, my thing is we're advocating for tamariki Māori. Uh, one of the biggest misconceptions, and we still hear it today, is, you know, uh, about around English, um, around educational statistics and all that kind of stuff. But those narratives, they're slowly, slowly being kind of unpacked and, and really quite quite quickly counted um, as these generations grow. And now we, we, but we're allowing that to really deter us from from the key here is just the kote tamaiti. Mm. You mentioned there, you know, it's the same Fano that is still driving this. Um, how do you bring more Fano in and convince them or encourage them to see the value in um, Kopapa Māori education? Yeah, it's, I think that's probably. Um, we don't know. I think that's that's the big question because as fantastic as Kurakopapa Māori Ahomatua is, um, and I, I'm biased because I'm obviously from that Kopapa, majority of Māori still go to mainstream, mm. and so why? And I think that's a big question, and I think that's the main part that the governments, you know, that that's the stance that they hold on to. You know, as cool as this Kopapa is, actually the majority of Māori are here. And I think there's a couple of things that, that really drive that. And the misconceptions is huge. There's two things to me. There's, there's a lot of misconceptions around Kurakopa Māori Ahomatu. And then there are still fragments of, of trauma 
and um, and barriers to things like total immersion that really deter whānau from being able to take that step, right? It could either be a, uh, a reminder of their inability or, or the lack of opportunity that they had when growing up to speak to their Māori. And so that's a really huge intimidation for whānau is, is actually, oh, but I can't speak Māori. I won't be able to engage or take part in my child's education. I, I agree with that. I mean, I just talk about whānau being one of the most important components to Te Homatua. Um, but what we were fortunate enough for them, mum and dad, they're second language learners. And it was through the Kura movement that they actually learned how to speak Māori because we saw that as one of the biggest barriers. And so Kura actually are starting to facilitate night classes for their parents. Oh, mm. I know a few kohanga reo that are doing that as well. Yeah, so I think I think there's a couple of things. One, we um, we need to be a little bit better at breaking down some of those stereotypes and, and, and some of those misconceptions. What are those misconceptions, Tui? What are some of those? A big one, bro, that that we get a lot of is, is probably around the, the notion of elitism. Um, there is probably uh, uh, a misconception based, and I think it's it's driven by there are a generation of people who are who are confident in in, the, in themselves uh, who can deliver messages with conviction and that can be seen or portrayed as being a bit whakahihi. And I get it. There is a process that we need to go through in terms of how we get our messaging right around that. But I think um, the biggest things around that, I think, is that there are some divisive narratives that are being drawn, um, not by Māori, but are being driven, uh, perpetuated by Māori, but originating from, I guess, colonised thinking. Mm. Um, and it's divisive in the sense that, oh, you know, we shouldn't be putting all of our funding to Kurukopa Māori because that's taking funding from Māori that are in mainstream. It shouldn't be the case at all. Mm. It's mm. not this or that, right? But that constant level of thinking and, and divisive tactics is what's driving a whole a big wedge between our own kaupapa when mm. actually, for me, we need it shouldn't be whether or not we take, we take money from one kaupapa to, take, to go to another kaupapa. It's actually, well, you need to be funding both cope, but adequately anyway. Mm. Um, which is the same broadcasting, Yoni. Mm. Yeah, it's the yeah. same in all of these things. Aye. And an example, I think there's, you know, in the broadcasting space, there's Te Reo Māori Broadcasting and Māori Perspective Broadcasting and it's a, it needs to be a pool of money here versus a pool of money there. It shouldn't be the case. There needs to be adequate resources everywhere. But yeah, so elitism is a huge thing. Um, but I think a, lo- a lot of that is driven probably from our own insecurities yeah. um, that have been perpetuated by the government I want to make sure that I'm clear here that I, I, at the end of the day, it's the government that are that are really driving these wedges. Mm. Oh, and I think you nailed it there in terms of, you know, it's, it's our own insecurities. I know I've met Kurukopapa kids who are 16 and made me feel so, just by being so confident, they're so obviously incredibly toe with who they are. They know exactly where they stand in this world. I'm like, oh, man, like, you know. It's it's intimidating, but we can't let that hold us back. And that's not, I don't, it's being framed by others, like you say, as elitist. But actually, it's just the tihi of the, you know, tangata Māori that we are growing and nourishing of mm. who we could be. And mm. that is intimidating. But it's something we should all strive for, not get um put out by a. Yeah. Oh, they're scary, rangatahi Māori these days. <laughs> yeah. Watch out. Watch out. But it's, you know, it's funny because as we grow older, we, we can't imagine what our mokopuna might be like. You know, they're going to be doing backflips off, you know, waka with taiaha and mm. doing a speech at the same time. So <laughs> <laughs> we've just, we've got to be ready for the revolution. Yeah, and we've got right. to try to bring everyone along with it, eh, Tui? 
Well, and, and I think that's it, bro. So one of you know, one of our my koro, um one of the key things that he used to always tell us when we were growing up, you know, is the, the trip to walking on water is knowing where the stones are. And every generation, <laughs> your job is to unveil that next stone, so our kids can keep walking on water. And I think the other thing to that is the perception, eh? Like the difference between what's impossible and what's possible is, is a matter of perspective. And if our kids, as they grow, keep knowing where those stones are, they're going to be able to do those backflips that we're talking about. But, um, you know, I think back to your point, um, you don't know, like it's making sure that people that find it that are on their journey feel really empowered by it. So I totally, everything that I am and everything that I uh, aspire to be is because mum and dad sacrificed their comfortable, well, somewhat comfortable um, spaces and put themselves out there to learn how to speak te reo Māori. My partner, Tiana, is the same. She's just on that journey. And um, it's all about, well, when you are on the journey, don't 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 let us deter you from the journey. When you do, do see a, a kūrakaupu Māori student, that's your, tri- that's, your, that's your child, right? That's your kid. Um, and so every generation, we just keep pushing and keep pushing. So I think that's it. Like there are, there are huge um, confident barriers and we see that in, in our, in our kura whānau as well. But we're, and we're probably within our own micro-communities need to be better at celebrating that. But the other thing is from kura Māori point of view, we just need to be a little bit louder. And I think it's finding that balance between being a kumara um, but actually being proud uh, of where we've come from. Mm. And the struggles, and so you know, people don't really know about the statistics, the educational, the academic component to Kurokopo Māori. They they get lost in the the whole concepts, and they 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 allow the values system or the values driven educational curriculum to deter us from the fact that well, actually, they actually do pretty good academically as well. Aye, but mm. that's that's not the focus. That's the result. So up to sort of um, present day, and um, Te Runanga Nui. Um, Opting to not participate in this in this review, this Te Pairoa review. Obviously, that makes sense to us that you didn't want to participate in that because you're all good and Te Ahumatua is all good and the results are there and our kids are successful and the adults are successful. But being not part of that review, review process, what does that actually mean for Kaupapa Māori education going forward? Te Matakauki not taking part of the process isn't just about them saying we're all good. I think it's more of a reflection of the process. So now there's been quarter coming out now that they were all invited, but earlier on, and I, this is probably where I don't need to check myself, but uh, earlier on it wasn't the case. There maybe have been one or two seats allowed for them, but I always go back to what Auntie Annette said in the hearings last week. You know, She said there is no rangatiratanga in a process that's, that was decided by, selected by, and totally accountable to the Crown. Mm. So, and it has nothing to do with the individuals in the group because they're awesome. Um, but it's more about the process. And Kūrakaupapa Māori particularly, uh, as well as Kohangareo, have been part of a raft of reviews and reforms over the last 30 years. For what? Why? You know, so that that's really what it is. Mm. I think there's, um, we might fall into a trap thinking, oh, They've just Kurokopapa Māori or Te Matakahuki. They're the ones that are that are throwing their toys, always considered the problem child. But actually, there's 30 years of mistrust that have just that's just been fisted, fisted and building. And then now we've got to a treaty claim point of view, it's being flipped as if Kurokopapa Māori are the ones that aren't coming to the table. Mm. But actually, there's 30 years of history that's telling us well. There's no point because we've tried to come to the table on multiple occasions. Yeah, it's that old thing of uh, Māori have to 
do the job three times better to be considered as good as. Mm. And Kura Kaupapa Movement has done that a million times over and the trust for that is still not there. It's, yeah, I totally understand that. Even how we orient our whakaaro on, you know, kura or Māori and any kaupapa have to go and meet the crown. It, to me, it's the crown has to meet mm. us. And we've got this model of success which has been proven over, you know, decades and the crown is still saying, no, you need to come to us. And to me, that's, you know, that's fundamentally where the battle of rangatiratanga is. But maybe as a last question to wrap us up to a nice easy one, why why does rangatiratanga of uh, Ahomatua need to stay within Kurakaupapa Māori? Because to me, that's what it is. I mean, my people might interpret it differently, but that's to me the crux of this. Rangatiratanga can, I, has the potential as a way to really um, inflame a whole lot of the kōrero around it. But really for us, it's just we just want to be able to be left to our own devices, unhindered, untied, unrestricted, so that we're able to do what we want to, or what we can for, for tamariki Māori. And adequately resourced. Yeah, so I think we use the word rangatiratanga because rangatiratanga, it wasn't given in the Te Tiriti o Waitangi, but rangatiratanga is what was recognised in Te Tiriti o Waitangi. So what we're asking for is the recognition of that rangatiratanga mm. um, under the notion of partnership that was talked to and spoken about and written about uh, in Tiriti or Waitangi. So I think this could we could easily say, oh, this is just Kurakaupapa Māori's issue. But actually, from a rangatiratanga point of view, this is all of our issue. And if we can get this right in the education component, then we can start mobilising Kaupapa Māori in other spaces and trying to talk and re- reclaim the rangatiratanga that we've lost uh, because of those those notions of the institution of state. And I think even that, we, we need to be a little bit more aware about those types of things. Aida. Mm. Tēnā koe tuihi. Tēnā koe kōrero. We could go on about this all day. <laughs> it's a great wānanga. Uh, but unfortunately, e ma, we have to hang it up here for the time being. I'm confident it will continue at a later date. But thank you, tuihi, for the insightful and inspiring kōrero. Uh, we've heard many reasons why a minister, former mainstream school principal who hasn't ever taught in Māori medium, uh, can't be so stubborn about the direction that he's um, trying to take up a Māori education in. And you've laid out um, many um, of the facts and debunked many of the myths and really just given uh, hope and inspiration, uh, insights into this kaupapa Māori that is um, he taonga ki a tātou. So tēnā koe, whai wāhi mai ki te whakatakotui e rafakāro, uh, mo tēnei kaupapa o tātou, uh, he mea whakahihiko i te hirikapo, uh, he mea hei, hei kārawarawa, ki a kārawarawa tonu tia e tātou, uh, haere ake nei. Uh, Piki mihi to our podcast manager, Te Ahe Butler, and to my pals, Mediana Johnson and Leonie Hayden, tēnā rawātu kōrua. To our listeners, you know where to find us. We appreciate your time every week, as always. Uh, whaia te mātauranga, hei oranga mō tō whānau. Mauri ora, kia koutou katoa. NAIR is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network. It was hosted and researched by Te Kuru Jews with Mediana Johnson and Leonie Hayden. NAIR was produced by Te Aihe Butler with senior production from Jane Yee and project management from Mark Kelleher. Kia ora e te iwi, Te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.